this morning we're going to get started with one of my favorite things lately. You know, one of the challenges you just missed, I don't know if it was Friday, Joel, there was a challenge that you go through um, Starbucks and you order whatever the car in front of you had. So I didn't partake in that, but my daughters did, so that was the latest challenge. This morning I have some, some questions for you, as we started last week. And question number one is this. What would you name your boat if you had one? <laughs> oh, Joel, princess, huh? Okay. Second one, and I wouldn't say this out loud, who's the messiest person you know? What will finally one day break the internet? What's your favorite white elephant gift to give? What is the worst thing that you have ever smelled? What is the, the one thing that you smell and you say, ah, I don't, wanna, don't ever want to smell that again? How about this? What is the worst haircut you ever got? If you live with a barber, then I wouldn't say anything out loud either, right? What is your favorite, your favorite 80s song? What is invisible but you wish people could see? If animals could talk, which animal would be sassy? Which animal would be sweet? Which animal would be rude? What animal would have an anger issue? What animal would have a drinking problem? Just kidding. What is the weirdest thing a guest in your house has ever done? You ever had a guest at your house and when they left, like, oh my gosh, never find them over again? Some deeper questions. Do you feel that you're a brave person? If you could do one thing the rest of your life, what would it be? What's the number one thing that you and your family fight about the most? If you had the power to fix one thing in the world, what would you fix? Who's your hero? Who's the one person that you look up to the most and that you've looked up to the most all of your life? What emotion do you feel the most every single day? What emotion is the strongest emotions? Questions, 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 questions. Why do I ask questions? I started last week by asking questions. I started today asking questions. And questions are an important part of life because questions actually drive us from one place to another. Now, if you were going to get a car, I don't know if you've ever seen this car before. This car sold for $18 million. Not bad, right? Not bad. This car sold for $14,000. Now, if you had the money, right, one way or the other, and you're not worried about money, you're not consumed about money, would you rather drive this or would you rather drive this? It's not a bad car. It's a Chevy, right? So if you're a Chevy fan, some of the Chevy people will be like, ah, I'll take the Chevy no matter what. Even if it's only $14,000. You see, and many of us, how many of us would prefer if we're going to be driven around, why not have a chauffeur? Right? So the reason I ask questions is 
See, what we don't realize, our questions are like our own personal chauffeur. Our questions that we ask every single day, questions that we hear, questions that we talk with friends about, questions that are just internal questions, things and doubts and concerns that we have, those questions are like having a personal chauffeur. But what we sometimes don't understand is some of these questions come from, not from our friends, but from this guy, the devil. It's kind of a weird picture, but I decided to pick a weird picture anyway. Sometimes questions, maybe it's not the devil, but maybe it's just like ordinary people, right? Don't they look like a bunch of group of ordinary people? Genesis 3.1 says that the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? As Satan gets introduced in the Bible, what's the very first thing that he does? He asks a question. The very first thing the devil does is he asks a question. And what is he asking? He's asking, did God really say? He's planting doubt in the minds of Eve. He's planting doubt in the minds of Adam. He's questioning God. He's questioning the reality of God. He's questioning truth. He's taking a little bit of truth with his words, but he's mixing them with a lot of doubt. Did God really say? And so what we don't realize is with our questions, all of us this morning, we are being driven somewhere. And we are driving from one place to another, whether it's a fancy car or whether it's an inexpensive car. And this morning, all of us, we have a chauffeur that is helping us along in life with our questions. And so the important thing to ask yourself this morning, the questions that I ask myself, the questions that are funny, the questions that are deep, the questions that are serious, who's the chauffeur helping me? Who's leading who in my questions? Who is my own personal chauffeur? You think about the questions today, we know that the very first question Satan asked is, did God really say? But what are the questions Satan is asking us today? I think one of the things he says is, is church still relevant? Does the devil say, is church still important? Bed, church, bed, church, right? Second question I think he says is, is marriage, is it even important? Does marriage even matter? Does having a family, having kids, does it even mean anything anymore? About is, is love really real? Is love real? Is love, is really love real? The devil plants doubt in hearts in Adam and Eve. And in this very, very beginning, we see that Satan used a question to put doubt in their heart, doubt about their past, the past and what they heard God say. Adam was the one who heard God say, do not eat from this tree in the garden. And so Satan is questioning their past. He's questioning the present. All the while he's trying to destroy their future. Satan questioning everything that they heard from the past. And how many of us know that what we have today, we got it from the past, right? Everything that's in front of us today, everything that most of us, who we are, most of us, we receive from Mostly our parents, right? Friends, parents, circumstances. And so the devil out trying to confuse and cloud the past with his twist of words 
truth mixed in with a little bit of lies. And what he does with Adam and Eve, he gets them to cave in with one little question. With one little question, he gets them to cave in to absolutely destroy everything that God had built. With one question. You know, there's people today and they're asking so many important questions. Should I go on living? Should I live another day? Should this last, should this circumstance go on another day? There are people asking real hard, deep questions. Do I really want to believe anymore? Do I really want to do this anymore? There are people asking super serious questions. For a lot of people, questions become a trap. You know, imagine having your own personal chauffeur and he opens the door for you, but he never lets you out. And that's actually what the devil does. Because once he gets you in the car, once he says, hey, today we're not taking the Chevy. Today we're taking the Bugatti. It's worth 18 million bucks. But once he gets you in, once he gets you in that car, he never lets you out. He never, ever lets you out. Matthew says, which you can't really see with through the Bugatti, $18 million. Matthew 15, 12 says, the disciples came to him and said, do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Jesus replied, every plant not planted by my heavenly father will be uprooted. So ignore them. They're blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, what's going to happen? They both fall into a ditch. Blind leading the blind. And so as, as we take a, a picture and we get this stuck in our mind, imagine the devil using questions. And he's using questions to trap people. But in trapping people, what he's actually doing is he wants to kill their eyesight so they can't see, they can't hear. He wants to get them locked, like being locked in a vehicle and not able to get out. Or as Jesus put it, it's like a blind person who leads another blind person who falls into a ditch. Now, blind people leading blind people in the ditch, do you think they're sitting around? And some of them would say, oh, man, what happened? How did we get here? Why are, why are we here? But other people would be like, you know what? I kind of like this ditch. Hey, at least I'm in this ditch. At least I'm in this hole in the ground. I'm in this hole with you, right? I can tell you when I was a kid, I don't know how many, you know, you might have said this as well, but how many of us did bad things and, and with your hanging out with your friends, you're like, at least we're here together, right? We're going to do bad things. We're going to do bad things together. And that's exactly the people that Jesus described in this story, the blind leading blind, stuck in a ditch because the devil doesn't want people to get out of a ditch. Spiritually stuck. Spiritually stuck and unable to get out of the ditch. This is such a beautiful hole in the ground. This is so awesome. I can't see my way out. can't really hear anything. That's okay. I'm stuck. And that's okay. I'm stuck with you. The questions that the devil asks this morning, he wants to cloud every single person's mind. All of that to say... If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. So we read about a, a lovely and awesome man named Abram. Genesis chapter 12, starting at verse 1. Without the chauffeur. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family. Go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who 
curse you, treat you with content. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years. Turn to your neighbor and say, 75 years old? 75. Whew. When he left Haran. He took his wife, it's a good thing to do, Sarah, his nephew Lot, all his wealth, his livestock, all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Morah. And at that time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated to the Lord, who had appeared to him. And after that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord. And Abram continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. And this morning as I break down this story, and we're going to rate the questions to the story of Abram here in the beginning. This story speaks of identity and value. And if you think about identity for a minute, basically identity defines who we are, right? Identity for us today, it defines everything that we are, everything that we feel, the kind of clothes that we wear, the kind of shoes that we have, the kind of cars that we drive. There are so many different things and so many different factors that define the identity of who we are. And then the story also speaks of value. And isn't it, no, isn't it a good feeling to feel that you, you're worth something, that my life means something, that I have purpose? God comes to Abram in the story, and this is before he gives him the name Abram. But he comes to Abram and he says, I want you to leave your land. And the land part of the story is what speaks of identity and value. Land in this time, land was a place of your survival. The land that you had, it was your survival. It was your livelihood. It was your political identity. Your land that you owned, it was your security, your security blanket. It was your teddy bear. The land that you own, it was like, it was so important because it was also tied to your family and your family's name. This is my family's land and my family's land. And they left it to, you know, this son and this son. And it keeps getting passed on. The past and the present and the future, all tied to the family. And so as God comes to Abram, he is questioning and he's speaking and he's challenging the identity and his value and where he found it. And he said, I want you to leave and I want you to go somewhere and I'll give you directions later. I want you to let go of everything that you know and everything that you feel in this present moment. All the dreams that you had in your mind about the future. All the dreams about I'm going to build this and I'm going to buy this. And I'm going to start five different businesses. I'm going to create Amazon. I'm going to do all these things. I want you to let go of all your dreams. I want you to let go of every single thing that is in your heart, mind, and soul. Your house, the white house with the picket fence in the front, with two golden retriever dogs, the sound of your life here, the future, everything, Abram, I want you to let it go. And you know what's even better? For this man, his story started at when? 75. 75. Abraham listens and he goes. He, he takes his money, it's a good thing, takes his wife, even better, his nephew, and he leaves everything behind. He leaves it. Quick, prompt obedience. 
It's one of the hardest things for us as believers sometimes. When God says, I want you to give $30,000. I want you to give five bucks to the man over there. I want you to take this person out to eat. I want you to go do this. Some of, one of the hardest things to do is to quickly obey. But Abram, we see in this story, and we see in his life, he obeyed God at every single opportunity. And as Abram goes, he starts and he builds an altar. And Abram sets up an altar, not, not like the altars where he came from, because where he came from, they were very evil. They had very evil and pagan hearts. And they used to worship, you know, in these days, and people still do all around the world, they worship the sun and the moon and the stars. I'll never forget when I got off the plane in Malaysia, um, when I was roughing it for Jesus and missionary school in Hawaii and then traveling the world a little bit. But as I get off Malaysia, as soon as we get to Malaysia, you see statues of different gods everywhere. Soon as you get off, there are so many different statues and so many different temples. There are so many different things there that people worship. Much like in Abram's time, they needed something. The sun that you could see, the heat that you can feel must be good. Let's worship it. At night, the moon and the stars, they give us light at night. It's our own little private nightlight. Let's worship that. People came up with so many different things, things that felt good to them, things that were pleasing to their eyes, and they made statues and they worshiped them. As Abram leaves and he sets out on this new life with God, he builds an altar, and he builds an altar not like the altars where he came from. But he set up an altar because he wanted to worship and pray to God. He set up an altar because he wanted to remember all that God had said to him. He wanted to set up an altar because he wanted to say to God, God, you now are the center of my life. I'm not worshiping anything. I'm, I've left everything behind. And for Abram, he gets this green light to leave and do the very one thing that God asked him to do at 75 years old. And so the question I have for you, and I started with questions, and this is a question I have for you. You see, many of us go through so many different seasons, seasons and changes in life. There's many believers when they get towards the end, 75, they kind of start to slow down, right? Do we know any people who are 75 and up or in that range? For this person in this story, for Abram in this story, God was just getting it stirred up. God was just getting it stirred up for a 75-year-old person. God was just telling this man in this story, I am not done with your life. We have a whole new story that's going to be written right now. We have a whole new story. You see, and many of us, the minute you ask God into your life, the minute you say, God, I believe, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my faith and trust in you, the minute God becomes a part of your life and you accept Jesus and the cross and all those things, you start a new story. But that story, it changes over time and it, it goes up and it goes down. And many of us, because we're humans and we're nice and we're wonderful and we're sweet and we're kind, we love to try to figure everything out. There's things that God doesn't want you to know. There's moments God does not want you to know, but he wants to see what you're going to do anyway. All of us, we want to figure life out. We're going to get a job. We're going to save money. We're going to put a lot of money aside. We're going to invest here. We're going to invest there. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Because we want to figure all the life out. The spiritual life with God, it does not need to be figured out. But what it does is, you, did, you do need to go from one place to another. 
you do need to drive your car with God from one place, from point A to point B. And you could drive this car if you want. You could drive this car if you want as well. But the Christian life is movement and it's flow. No matter how young, no matter if we're a little bit older, God is still stirring your heart this morning. God is still stirring something inside of you this morning. God wants you to know that he has purpose and a reason for you today. God wants you to know that no matter where you are, you're not done yet. You're not done yet. For some of us, you know, how many of us love going to amusement parks? And that's if you're vaccinated or if you have, you know, a negative test these days, right? And how many of us love still going on roller coasters? And you start and you love that climb that it goes up, like Ghost Rider at Knott's Berry Farm, and it's that riggedy wood roller coaster and it goes up and then it drops. That drop is so awesome. That drop is so amazing. Is not that the way that life goes? We're going up, then we're going down. We're going up, we're going on our side. It's so fun. It's so awesome. With God, there's so many different emotions that get evoked every single day. In this life, there's so many different things. You see, in Abram, as I pick this story, Abram was asked to leave his past. You see, many of us, the past drags us so far down. The questions that we had as little kids, the trauma that we had as little kids. There are people who have trauma from, from a very young age that it sticks with them and it shapes and it molds them, the questions and the trauma, the things that happened to them. And they ask themselves, why did this happen to me? You know, a month ago when I was talking with a young man, he was telling me that his dad was molested by a priest. And to this day, years and years and years and years and years and years and years later, still mentally wears him out. And I know it wears him out because I can only imagine the questions of, as a young person, why would someone do this to me? Why would someone do this? And then it goes to God, why would you let this happen? Questions and questions and questions, building upon movement and movement, creating and pushing. Abram had to leave his past behind so that he could have a better future. Is there any of us this morning who are clinging to a past that God wants you to leave behind? Is there anything? Yes, the good old days. One of my songs was, remember, what was your favorite song in the 80s? Whether it was, you know, Madonna or, or Cyndi Lauper or, you know, if you went even a little more crazy. But, you know, we all had a song that we could pick out, most of us in this room, from the 80s. But really... Is the music from the 80s, should that shape and, and determine the course of our life? But many of us take our favorite moments of the past and we're letting them shape our today. Even some of the good things from the past, you're letting them shape what happens right now. Yes, there's good and great moments that happened 10, 5 years ago, 30 years ago. But some of the good things from the past and even the bad... It's time to let go so that you can have a better, brighter future ahead. Because what did he say to Abraham? If you leave your past, if you leave your home, if you leave the culture, 
If you leave the dog, I'll get you a new one later. If you leave every single thing that you love right here and now, what did he say to Abram? I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a blessing. And everyone who comes into contact with you will be blessed. If you just leave your past, this present moment, and make a decision to go forward. Many of us in God, we don't get this because, you know, I can tell you that that, you know, 15, 20 years ago, even there, there was worship styles and music for Christians 20 years ago. They're still stuck in worship from 20 years ago. We're still stuck today, 2021, in how we had church 20 years ago. It's not going to happen today. It can't happen that way. Church can't happen today the way it happened 20 years ago. Life has changed. We've changed as people. Right? Everything has changed. The gospel and the story doesn't change. The message doesn't change. The people don't change because they're all written in. But what does change is how we operate and have church. But many of us believers, we still cling to everything that we used to have. We want a better day. We want a brighter future. Last week we talked about Noah. Noah was a man who was asked to build a boat. And he was asked to build a boat because judgment was coming. Judgment was coming. And anyone who would believe, and it took faith. It took having faith because no one had seen a, a boat that was 450 feet long before. And so God said to Noah, and Noah said to the people as he was building, get on this boat. When I finish this boat, get on here. Because if you do, your life will be saved. Many, just like many of us today, we are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and we're saying, just believe in Jesus. Just get in this boat of Jesus. Just get in this. Because if you do, your life will be saved. And today we look at a man called Abram, who later would be called Father Abraham. And what was he asked to do? He was asked to leave. God's not asking you to just get up and move out of town. People think they hear that message all the time. Okay, that's it. That was confirmation. I'm moving to Hawaii. God's not saying get up and, and move out of Hemet because Hemet looks junky now, right? That's not what he's saying here. But there was a physical change that needed to happen in Abram's life. But it didn't start with Abram. You know who it started with? It started with his dad. His dad was on the same journey to Canaan. But as his dad got to this town, Haran, it says he stopped there. And as he stopped in Haran, he decided, you know what? I'm just going to settle right here. Life's been good enough. I'm just going to stop right now. I've got enough money to retire. I'm just going to stop right now. These people seem nice. I'm just going to build my house here. Abram's dad was on the journey to the promised land. But his dad gave up. His dad stopped and his dad settled. Many of us Christians and believers, every single day we settle for what is good, being robbed of God's best. We settle every single day in relationships and friendships and our jobs and our workplace and what we do and where we go and the things that God has for us. God has reason. God has purpose. God has miracles waiting. God has provision and open doors waiting. God has so many different things ready, willing, waiting for those who don't settle. You know, for a lot of religious people, 
for a lot of the religious people, I, I shared this story with Jesus when he was talking about the blind leading the blind and going into a ditch. The disciples said to him, don't you realize that you offended the Pharisees? You know, the Pharisees, religious men who studied and knew the law of God, they knew what it said. They could tell you in 10 different languages. They really got the language. But when Jesus came here, you know what Jesus did it was so interesting? He loved the sinners and he offended the religious. He loved the sinners until they were saved. But yet he said harsh things to the religious because their hearts become so hard. Sometimes as we sit in church for years and years and years and years and years, we become so comfortable. We become so comfortable in our seats. We become so comfortable just sitting, just listening, just watching. We at some point sometimes even let our hearts get cold to God, to this purpose. I remember when I first um, started experiencing God as a young kid, one of my good friends, Caleb, were at the beach. And I can't remember, I think it was summer camp. It was summer camp. So um, our uh, church sent us out on a summer camp and went to Anza of all places, right? Isn't Anza beautiful? It's the best place to go for summer camp. And they threw us youth kids in wagons. At least they were covered. They were covered wagons. And the theme was breaking down the walls. And as I'm at this summer camp, as a, I think I was 15 years old. And again, I grew up in the church. And so um, it's one of those things where my dad forced me to go three times a week because he was the sound guy. So still love him for that. But one of these experiences, we're, we're sitting in Anza. And I'm listening to this theme, breaking down the walls. We had to take part. In, in every part of the weekend here. And one of the things was they had these dramas that they were doing. And so I remember um, I had to be a demon, right? If you're going to be in drama, do something easy. Be the demon, right? Be the bad guy, right? So as we're being a demon, there was like three or four of us and we're surrounding this one person. We're kind of, you know, hovering over them and we're, you know, tickling them in their ears and spitting on them, all that good stuff. And as we're doing that, our youth pastor at the time, he was building a wall. And so every word that we spoke to the person that we were around, another brick was placed on that wall. And at the end of the summer camp, at the end of the weekend, we took sledgehammers and we all took turns knocking down every single brick. What we don't realize, our life, our questions, the questions that have driven us, the, the questions that have molded us and shaped us and brought us to this point in our life, the words that people have spoken over us, the circumstances that we have gone through, they have made walls in our lives. And some of the walls that have been made are short, short walls. Other walls that have been made are tall walls, but they have made us who we are today. I can tell you that when we sat there and we took a sledgehammer and we broke that wall down, there was something, and I really, I knew God, I heard about God, but I hadn't given my life to God. At 15, even though I grew up in church, I really, 
You know, I said the sinner's prayer probably 45 times by the time I was 15, right? You know, back in the day when you used to go to church, the preachers, you know, they made you feel scared to death. You know, you're going to die right now. As soon as you walk out of this church, you're going to die. You better accept Jesus or you're going to hell. And so there's many times as a kid, I accepted and I said the sinner's prayer because I was scared. But I didn't really believe. And so this, this moment of being a part of this drama, this moment of actually hearing something different and outside of the box and then knocking down the wall, it opened up something inside of me and I realized just how real and powerful life is, how amazing life is. And sometimes we, we handle life, we handle life like, you know, it's just a cheap old car or maybe it's a cheap new car, right? Sometimes in life we handle life like it's just a cheap new car. And some of us sometimes, we don't really handle life like the very expensive, precious gift that it is from God above. Life is precious. You being here this morning is amazing. You are wonderful and amazing through and through. As I was standing there at the end of the summer camp, me and my friend were talking about, ah, let's do something for God. Let's do something. Let's, let's do something. We need, to, we need to do something for God. You know, a few days later, it all fizzled out and disappeared. But I sure was passionate for one minute. Many of us, we get passionate about God still for one minute, but then it fizzles out. Many of us, it's like at the stop sign. My title today is called Green Light because many of us, how many of us love when the light turns green? I don't know about you, I hate red lights. I hate traffic, I hate red lights, just wish everything was green. Go, 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 right? But most of us, we're missing out on the moments because we're so caught up on the circumstances, red, green, yellow, go, stop, here. And we're missing his voice. And at times God's saying, I want you to leave. You need to leave this situation. At other times, God's saying, I have this for you. But we're missing it because we're not paying attention. God didn't create you to be a Noah. God didn't create you to be an Abraham. But some of their stories God wants to use to inspire you where you are in your situation today. Again, I love that a 75-year-old man gets a call from God. He gets a call from God. It's time to leave and it's time for a brighter day ahead. No matter your age, no matter where you are, God wants you to hear this morning, wherever you are, and even if it's a good life, God has something better for you just around the corner. God has something even yet better. Even your life might be amazing and beautiful and wonderful right now. There's something even better just around the corner. Why do I get to that better? For Abram, it was letting go. Are you holding to anything this morning that you thought, hey, in my past, I was amazing. I was this, I was this, I was this, I was that. Are you holding to anything in your past? Anything. Anything at all. Any good thing, any bad thing. Because it's robbing you of what he has for you today. Stand with me as we close and pray. You know, as we close and pray this morning, I ask you to close your eyes. As we close our eyes, 
not just me, not just us, but in the world today, there's so many people settling in their walk with God. The Bible says many are called, but only a few chosen. Why are only a few of the people, Jesus said, why are so many called, but only a few chosen? Because there's only a few that listen. Do you know there's only a few that listen? The call goes out. With your eyes closed, I was, we were uh, getting a car last week and we're sitting with a, a man who was selling us a car. And as we're, as we're talking with him, he was expressing passionately about his son who at the age of like 15 or 16, I can't remember, but his son got the call to be a priest. And he was so passionate. He was so excited. His son became so excited with his desire to be a priest. He got a call. At 19, when I gave my heart to God, instantly, instantly at 19, when I gave, when I surrendered everything to God, it took 19 years of my life. And I, that's when I finally surrendered everything. But at 19, when I gave my life to God, instantly I felt the call. I have to share the truth. See, many of us, we have that call. But Jesus said, many are called, only a few chosen. Because we're settling. We're settling. We're all called by God this morning. If we don't stand for something, we fall for anything. God this morning, he created you to stand for him. The greatest call in life is to stand for God. The greatest call is to stand and to proclaim the truth. The greatest thing that we can do is stand and proclaim all that God is. Today more than ever, being the light in the darkness. And sometimes out of guilt, shame, and being uncomfortable, we settle. Don't settle anymore. Don't settle for the questions that are in your head. Don't settle for the doubt in your head. Don't settle with the questions that friends have. Don't settle for complaints and questions. Let Jesus be your chauffeur to a better, better future. Let Jesus stir in your heart this morning something that's better and brighter than the situation and where you are today. Let him lead you just like he led Abram to a better place.